0: Church. Thank you guys. Thank you guys so much. First off, I want to honor Pastor Sebastian, of course, so uh, maybe he's watching online. Thank you so much for giving me this privilege, this opportunity to share with you uh, a word that God has laid on my heart. And it's just an amazing honor for me to be able to stand here. I just uh, get inspired by Pastor Sebastian, his, um, his, his faith in this new generation. So uh, that's just amazing. And um, we're in this series of the Summer Psalms. And um, last weeks we looked throughout um, Psalms 114 and a couple weeks um, in advance we'll look also until the Psalm 118. Uh, it's all about how we're looking to praise God in different ways. And I just love these series, don't you guys as well? I just love these series that they're so, so clear, they help us remind us of how we can praise God and, uh, in so many different ways because God is so Know wide in character, and um, we can just praise him for almost anything. So it's just so amazing to get reminded again of how many things we can actually praise God for. And um, so in this last series, there have been some examples which have been used, um, which I also prepared. So because these songs look a, li- uh, a bit similar, I prepared the same examples. So I had to change them, but I didn't because. It's just important to go back to the essence of all these examples. Just go back through to the, in this case, the, um, the example, the feeling of unthankfulness. So I've been a child as well, I have these moments where, you know, you want like a toy or, or ice cream. I think Pastor Joshua mentioned his, his, um, his um, remote-controlled uh, car, and then his brother got a bigger one and was like, oh man, I wanted to get that too. I didn't really have that with toys, I had to with food. <laughs> so. Of course, me as a kid, I wanted ice cream when I was on a holiday, so we went to France, I think, and there's always this, uh, this brand that I wanted to get. And I searched the whole day for that ice cream, because my parents finally, after a bit of like, whining, they finally said, all right, if we find it, you get it. I was so desperate to find it, but I couldn't find it anywhere. And then I thought, well, let's just go with another ice cream. Just, and then around the corner, what do you see? It's my ice cream. And there goes the unthankfulness, (laughs) thank you so much, says my parents. And there are so many moments, I think you as a child you could also probably imagine it and where you you get it, finally get it, something from your parents maybe, and then after like an hour you're like, well, it wasn't that great, it really wasn't that great as you thought at first. So that's also where I wanted to talk about today, about thankfulness, Um, and I can promise you one thing, all these circumstances for unthankfulness, they will never change. The possibilities for your thankfulness or unthankfulness will never change, um, or th- they will change, but in the same manner. Like if I was a child I wanted a toy, or now maybe I want to get a better job, a better car, better home, maybe other kinds of things. They all translate from our childhood in that sense to our uh, mature to more mature, and then we get the same possibilities to choose if we want to be thankful or not, but with different things. So the thing stays the same: it's unthankfulness. And um, I actually believe that thankfulness is a choice we can can make. So I looked up the definition for gratitude and thankfulness, and it was more like a feeling you get. So I feel thankful, so then I'll pour out my thankfulness. Or uh, I feel so thankful for this, so I'll I'll rejoice in it. But I actually don't believe in that. I actually think that um, thankfulness is a choice. We can actually choose... To stay, thank- to stay thankful, because our circumstances may change, that job may change, that car may change, that toy or ice cream may change, but we can always choose to be thankful, and that's so powerful. That's through every season we're in, we can choose to stay thankful. And last uh, weeks we looked also at Israel, how they were being unfaithful, um, because a lot of these psalms actually refer back to the time of Israel, and. Um, You know, to me, it was so surprising that Israel was so unfaithful because, you know, God did those miracles right in front of their eyes, right? And I was like, how can you not believe that after a year? Or how can you not remember it after a year? But I think in some way, we're not better than any Israelite. Because what we tend to forget often is just the fact that God saved us through Jesus, just our deliverance, right? We think about all the breakthroughs from our lives, all the, the prayers uh, to God, like, hey, give me a better job, maybe, or, or flourish me in my life, but we tend to forget where it all started, at his deliverance, that he rescued, actually, that he rescued us. And when I'm in a season of, like, spiritual drought, like, I don't really experience God's uh, breakthroughs or miracles. Um, I think the first time I experienced that was a couple years ago uh, in a worship service, and I was like panicking. I thought, I'll do everything right. I worshipped, I was engaged, but I didn't feel anything of God. And I was like, what am I doing wrong? You know, two hands lifted, come on. I was just totally engaged, but nothing happened. And I was like, what am I doing wrong? And I came back so um, so surprised at home and so unsatisfied. And I was like, where did I lose? Um, but now, when you experience the season more often, you, you can actually mature in that. And um, I actually believe that throughout those seasons, God has always grown you much more than you realize, right? So right now, it's so exciting. If I'm in a season like that, I'm like, ooh, what's God going to do? What's God going to do? You know, I was like expecting, what is he going to do? Um, and I guess, so the more season you experience like this, the more you mature in it. Um, and these seasons are also maybe... Um, teaching you in that sense to praise God even when you don't feel anything because it's just important to keep worshiping God not according to our feelings not based on our feelings because our feelings may change and God knows that when we're in distress when we cry out to him that he's faithful so he'll rescue us and then the next week you know what we'll forget so God is teaching us as well to just praise him just be a choice that we praise him as well and that's so so important I think that we get to realize we can worship not based on our feelings. Of course, we can worship out of gratitude, out of thankfulness, you know? We can express our feelings to God um, or we can express our circumstances to God. Like, hey, God is not going too well at my home and at, at my family, but I lift it up to you and just praise you for who you are. But the basis of our worship is not our problems nor our, um, our debts or anything. It's just praising God for who he is, right? Just praising him because he's worth it. And I think through that, through experiences, many seasons of drought in that sense as well, uh, God teaches us to stay faithful, to, to keep worshiping him. Keep worshiping him. Um, and that, that's so important. So sometimes God allows you to experience drought so that you learn that you shouldn't believe according to your feelings. And you could just stay faithful and stay, still be praising him. So a lot of times we can forget what he actually did for us. But there's no reason for that, to think that, right? There's no reason to think any less of the miracle that God sent his only son, Jesus, to you, right? There's no reason to think any less of the miracle of the Holy Spirit within you, right? There's no reason to think less of the power that Christ experienced through the Holy Spirit where uh, where he healed those many people. There's no reason to all make those miracles smaller. There's no reason even to think less of the last miracle that God did in your life, right? So in our eyes, it may seem tiny and small a miracle or the miracle that happened the last to you but in god's eyes it's just the same miracle right and if all these things stay um if all those miracles have the same power then they'll have the same power now right so they'll only increase i think i believe that god's miracles will only increase there's actually a verse in john that jesus says that we will do even greater miracles than he did So that's where we can press on towards, right? That we can just press on to his greater miracles. And it's just important to stay in awe of his miracles as well. So today let's dive into Psalm 116 and we'll split it up in two parts. And um, let's just read the first, uh, first part. I love the Lord because he hears my voice and my prayer for mercy. Because he bends down to listen. I will pray as long as I have breath. Death wrapped its ropes around me. The terrors of the grave overtook me. I saw only trouble and sorrow. Then I called on the name of the Lord. Please, Lord, save me. How kind the Lord is. How good he is. So merciful, this God of ours. The Lord protects those of childlike faith. I was facing death, and he saved me. Let my soul be at rest again. For the Lord has been good to me. He saved my soul, says in translation, he adds the word my soul. He saved my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. And so I walk in the Lord's presence as I live here on the earth. Let's pray together. Father, we're thankful for your presence here in this place. And we come before you with, uh, with praise and worship, but also with prayer. God, open our hearts for what you uh, have to say towards us. Open every heart, Father, that we can uh, glorify your name through this word, and, um, and receive all that you have for us today, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so in this psalm, there's actually a person who is in distress, he cries out to God, Lord, save me, and, um, and I actually wanted to focus on verse six as well, because it says, the Lord protects those of childlike faith, I was facing death, and he saved me. So clearly, childlike faith and distress have, maybe, are, are, entire, are connected to each other, right? Um. And I think that we might maybe have a point in our lives where we become too mature in our faith, where we can be like, uh, oh, we made a a decision, and we were aware that it was a bad decision. Right? We were aware of the circumstances it might cost, or all the things it might happen. But we thought like, well, for this one more choice, I'll just go on, and then I'll face the the, um, the circumstances afterward, right? And then at that moment, you experience it. You experience that you made the wrong decision, and you're like, I can't go back to God with this because, you know, I made the wrong decision. I knew it, but I just I thought, well, just for this last time, I'll make this decision. And God knows I'm wrong. I know I'm wrong. That's it. But what it here actually is, I don't know how the person came in distress. It might be his own fault, right? Um, but he cries, he cries out to God. He's like, please, Lord, save me. That's not something you say just if you're thinking all is well with you, right? It's, it's something you cry out. It's when you're in distress and you need some help from the greatest God there is, by the way. Um, and here it says he protects those of childlike faith. So when we go back to childlike faith, where we cry out to God, like a child cries out to his parent when he's hurt, he's like, please Lord, save me. That kind of faith, that should be at the root of our faith, Right? It should be just like a relationship between father and son. And we're like, please help me, God. I made the wrong mistake, I know. And you, you knew it too. But I still praise you. I still cry out for your help because I know you'll get me out of it even though I knew it was my fault. That's childlike faith. And I think therefore, my first take home already is go back to the roots of faith. Let me go back to the childlike faith, We'll just imagine what it's like with a son, with his father. And that's the way we can treat God with our relationship. So it's so important that we go back to that root, back to childlike faith, where we can just praise him, where we can actually also cry just for him to rescue us, even when we know that it was our fault, right? So then it follows up in First 8, Psalm 116, verse 8. It says, For you have rescued my soul from death, my eyes from tears, and my feet from stumbling." All right, so my, my eyes from tears. I can't remember the last time I cried because men don't cry, you know. <laughs> all right, all right. No, I actually believe there's, there's power in tears, right? There's actually power in tears even for men. And God actually gave us the gift of grief. It might sound weird, but grief is a way in which we can process something that happened, right? It's a way that we can process something that happened and tears as well. And they're so strong, you don't even believe how strong they are. Unless you hold on to them long enough. If you hold on to them too long, it will become like a burden. Um, and I don't believe in a never-ending grief, right? At some point in our lives, or not even in our own lives, maybe in, in heaven, right, there's a place where no more tears, no more sorrow, no more grief, amen? So I do believe we can experience here on Earth, but don't stay too attached to it, right? And then, it says, my feet from stumbling. I've experienced that too. When I grew like very tall, around my 15 years old, I was like stumbling like, like a young gazelle. First born gazelle was like, tripping over every towel he, <laughs> he sees on the streets. I was tripping so much because I wasn't used to my length. So every, every stone, I was like. <laughs> and that's the way we can be sometimes in life, right? So I experienced both. And um, I actually do believe that Jesus fulfilled all of this. He also stumbled. I don't know if he was as tall as I am, but I know he'll get my point. (laughs) But now at the core of deliverance, it says my soul from death, my eyes from tears, and my feet from stumbling. So he has rescued my soul from death that we may live forever, right? He has saved my eyes from tears that weeping may last a moment and we may rejoice forever, right? It says in Psalm 30 verse 5, Weeping may last through the night, but joy comes in the morning, amen? Joy comes in the morning. So don't hold on to your pain forever, right? And then my feet from stumbling, that we may actually succeed in God's purpose for our lives. We're not supposed to stumble upon the same rocks where we stumbled upon 15 years ago, right? God has actually gave us the power to step over it and just continue to his purpose. And then here, the result of God's deliverance is in verse 9. Written. It says, and so I walk in the Lord's presence as I live here on earth. That's also tied to childlike faith. As a child walks with his father just maybe in the streets or anything, you know, a child is always aware of his father or mother's presence. Right? If you take away your parents from a kid in a public space, they'll know immediately. I hope they don't cry there, but There are leaders there, but as soon as a child recognizes that their parent is gone, they cry out in distress, and they cry out in that sense, please, Lord, help me, right? And that childlike faith, when we can just walk with God and be aware of his presence, and if we notice that his presence is going away, we should immediately cry out to him, right? That's childlike faith. That's going back to the roots of your faith. So let's move on to the second part of the psalm. It says in verse 10, I believed in you, so I said. I am deeply troubled, Lord. In my anxiety, I cried out to you. These people are all liars. What can I offer the Lord for, the Lord's, for all he has done for me? Verse 13, I will lift up the cup of salvation and praise, and praise the, Lord's names, the Lord's name for saving me. Verse 14, I will keep my promises to the Lord in the presence of all his people. The Lord cares deeply when his loved one dies. Oh Lord, I am your servant. Yes, I am your servant, born into your household. You have freed me from my chains. I will offer you a sacrifice of the Lord, of of thanksgiving, sorry, and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people, in the house of the Lord, in the heart of Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. That's just amazing. In verse 12, it says here that the main part of this psalm, it says, what can I offer the Lord for all he has done for me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and praise the Lord, the Lord's name for saving me. That's the, the third cup, actually from the book, also from the fourth cup, or the four cups. The third cup is the cup of salvation. And we celebrated this actually during our special Good Friday service, which was great. Just um, a different way to, to honor um, easter as well and to rethink all that he done all that he done for us um so it's the cup of salvation and it actually says in another translation in the message translation it says um i actually love this translation it says i'll lift high the cup of salvation a toast to god i just loved it that's also like that's so so funny written and it's just um, a great a toast to god right that's just such nice imagery to honor God as well and to lift the cup of salvation. So, Pastor Chris Hodges from Truth of the Highlands, he actually wrote the book, uh, The Four Cups, which we also tied into our vision here in Thousand Hills. Um, so he says, the definition, definition of deliverance is this. Deliverance means that God enables us to do what we are meant to do, right? Deliverance means that God enables us to do what we are meant to do. That's so important to realize and to keep noticing. That he wants to deliver us to do what we are meant to do, to do what he made us for, right? Then in verse 16, it says, O Lord, I am your servant. Yes, I am your servant, born into your household. You have freed me from my chains. So it begins to say here that he is his servant and not his slave, right? We are... uh, God's servants, not God's slaves in that sense. In fact, God broke our chains, it says here, you freed me from my chains, so that we actually have our own choice to follow God, our own choice to choose if we want to follow God. And that's so important. And um, the the key thing here with salvation is that salvation is one thing, but the deliverance, that's the second part. That's important, right? We can experience uh, that God rescued us through Jesus, that we believe in Jesus and we were rescued. But if we hold on to things in the past, we're not fully delivered yet. Remember Israel? They were rescued out of Egypt, but they were not delivered from their old mindset. They were still holding on to the old patterns um, of like idolatry and all these things the Egyptians did, even though they were not in Egypt anymore. So we can be rescued, but still not be delivered. Um, but he's freed, our, he's freed us from our chains. So we do have the choice to step in to deliverance, which Jesus uh, made possible for us. So if we stay in deliverance, or if we stay only rescued, not delivered, it could look something like this. He has saved my soul from death, but we can still hold on to fear of dying, right? He has saved my eyes from tears, but we can still hold on to grief and sorrow from something in the past, like we're rescued, we believe in Jesus, but we still hold on to these old things, right? And then he's kept my feet from stumbling. We can still stumble over the same things over and over again, even though that God gave us the power to step over it and move on for the purpose of our lives, right? It says, Christos just says, deliverance means that God enables us to do what we are meant to do. So if we keep stumbling over the same things, we're not doing what we are meant to do because we're not made for stumbling. It's part of our life, but it, we're not made for it unless you have a really special anointing, but <laughs> I don't believe it, right? So at the, root, only, at the root, only Jesus should be found. At the root of your deliverance, of your freedom, of your uh, the salvation, Jesus should be at the beginning. It says in Ephesians 2, verse 10, I actually added a verse before it, but it says this, for by grace you have been saved, that's in verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Verse 10, for we are his workmanship, or God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we will walk in them. Second take, go back to the roots of your deliverance. So important that we go back to the roots of deliverance. And it says here, for the good works, we've been prepared for the good works uh, which God prepared beforehand for us, right? So that ties into deliverance because we are made to do something that we are made for. And that are the works that God prepared in advance for us. So if we go back to the roots of our deliverance, we think back about what Jesus actually did for us. Just the fact, right? Right? Of course, through that, we can open up our relationship with God, we can pray. But the root of our deliverance is just that he saved us, right? That he delivered us. And I love to get back to that sense of awe. I've heard the Easter story many times. I grew up as a Christian, so over and over again, you hear this Easter story every year. But after a couple of years, even after one year, you just forget it throughout the year, right? Right? And it becomes just a normal story that you know how it ends, you know how it begins, and it just becomes a story. But if we go back to the roots of our deliverance, we should actually stand more in awe of what the story is actually about. And here in Thous Hills, we have also the opportunity during our worship to celebrate the Lord's Supper, to just get to communion together and just praise him because what he did for us. That, he just, that we can stand in awe just, just for what he did for us. That's so important. We can continue on with our life. We can press on towards God for prayers about our lives, prayers about our career or anything. But through it all, he saved us. That's the beginning of our faith. That's also going back to your roots, knowing how you've been delivered. And I think that maybe for every one of us, there is this unique part of the Easter story that especially gets us. Right? So for one person, it may, uh, it may be the, um, the fact that Jesus healed so many people throughout his ministry. For another, it might be that, he, that Jesus bore all our pain on the cross. And for another, it might be that God sent his only son, Jesus. But there are so many things and aspects in the ministry of Jesus that maybe just things and to us, things specifically speak to us. right? And if we go back to celebrate communion celebrate the Lord's Supper, we could actually think about that thing that especially gets us. Because we're all created uniquely, right? So I think there's, from the whole story, how much you hear it, there's maybe one or a couple things that especially get to you. And you can go back to that. You can go back to your sense of awe and say, hey, yeah, thanks. Thank you, God, for how you did this or how your character is in this and this way. And I think that actually tells you something about your purpose, your calling. Because we're all made differently. And if every aspect from the Easter Easter story means something different to us than for for you, than for me, it tells us something about our purpose. So that's important to notice as well. What do I find specifically incredible about the Easter service? So go back to the roots of your deliverance and just stand in awe of what he did for you. If you continue, in verse 17, it says, I will offer you a sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. A sacrifice can also be th- part of thanksgiving. And my question to you is, when's is the last time you sacrificed something for thanksgiving? You know, of course you can do it financially, but there are many other ways where you can offer God a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Just praise him, just thank him by giving something. And that's my question to you. When's the last time you did that? I think there's so much power in that. If we offer him a sacrifice and we might not offer animals like they used to, but there are so many uh, different things we can offer him. So think think back to that as well. Then in verse 18, it says, I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people, in the house of the Lord, in the heart of Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. We can actually express our thanksgiving in the church as well. It says here, I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people in the house of the Lord in the heart of Jerusalem. The heart of Jerusalem, there was the temple, right? And if the church is today's temple, we can offer him our thanksgiving in the church together. We can be a church together, right? By just thanking him. And we also have like a prayer team. So maybe if you don't have the strength to praise him yourself, you can ask other, others to pray for you. That's the, the good thing about church. We're all helping each other. And then one just amazing song will rise up to God when we worship all. And um, that, that's so important, I think, to, to go back to Thanksgiving as well. That's my third take home. Go back to the roots of thankfulness for your deliverance. Because it's one thing to remember that God delivered you. But it's the second, second thing to be faithful and thankful in it in all situations of your life, in all circumstances. Right in all circumstances, where we go in life, we can always praise God and thank God for His deliverance. That's something that is constant that will remain. That's so important. You know, we can we can pray for those breakthroughs, what I mentioned earlier. We can pray for those uh, for healing and all that kinds of stuff which are attached to our lives. But if we go back to the roots of deliverance, and when we go back to the roots of thankfulness, we will experience so much more peace. So, Jesus fulfilled the core of his deliverance, right? So, remember, soul from death, my eyes from tears, and my feet from stumbling. I'm sure that, um, that he, he, he experienced tears during his ministry. And besides, he, he've overwon- he's overwon the de- he, sorry, He overwon the death and the grave, right? He has the victory. So, he fulfilled that as well. And my feet from stumbling, I'm sure he did a lot of stumbling there during his ministry. But Jesus stayed faithful, and Jesus fulfilled all of his promises, all of the, of the, the, prophet, the prophets foretold. So there's no reason to stumble again upon those things, right? Because if Jesus did it all for you, and you still cry about something in the past, which he already bore on the cross, then it's kind of double, you know? Because then we share in, God, in Jesus' burden, but in the wrong way, in that sense. Because he paid it already. And this psalm, um, this verse actually from Psalm 51 can actually help you. It says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. If you speak this out loud every day, your life will change. Your day will become a whole lot better. If you just go back to the root of salvation and deliverance and pray, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Then your whole perspective for the rest of the day will change I believe that so then again in the second part of the psalm there's the result of God's deliverance in verse 9 in the first part of the psalm it was and so I walk in the Lord's presence as I live here on earth remember the childlike faith walking in the Lord's presence being aware of God's presence but in the second part of the psalm I will fulfill my vows in the presence of all people I can walk in the Lord's presence because I've been delivered, right? Jesus opened up the the gate for us, opened up that relationship with God and us. But I walk in the presence of all people because I'm thankful for my deliverance. I actually want to show that I'm thankful. I'm going to church because I know I'm thankful for his deliverance. I'm not going to church based on my motives of what my circumstances may look like. It's a choice to go to church, to worship, to thank him, it's all based on a choice, and that's not untied to circumstances. And we remem- when we remember and we are thankful for God's deliverance, we fulfill his- our vows in the presence of all people. So not only in church will we will praise him, if we go out, those- out these doors on our workplace, we're not ashamed to thank him. Because we have, so, uh, we have a greater understanding, greater awe, when we go back to the roots of our deliverance that we shouldn't even worry about what others think about us. Because just the fact that He delivered us is so great to us. And I love, us for, I love for us to go back to that root of deliverance. Just go back to that heart of worship, to the heart of thanksgiving. Right? So go back to the roots of faith. Go back to the roots of your deliverance and go back to the roots of thankfulness for your deliverance. That's so important. And as we close off this sermon, I actually believe that some people here I've never experienced maybe that deliverance or not even rescuing, like the rescuing of Jesus to save your life, to step into this relationship with God. But there are also some people here that are Christian, but they're still tied to this change that Jesus already, already won, that Jesus already broke. And I believe also that we can worship God at a deeper level. It shouldn't be a deeper level, but to worship him for his deliverance. Remember, so not not based on our uh, circumstances, but just for what he did for us. And um, it says in 2 Corinthians 6, verse 2, it says, For God says, At just the right time I heard you. On the day of salvation I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. If you've never made the decision to follow Christ, there's an opportunity for you today. And I encourage you to make it today because we don't know what tomorrow will bring. It says today is the day of salvation. And also, if you have not been delivered from some things, if you hold on to grief from maybe many years ago, and Jesus says to you, step over it. Or your feet from stumbling, that he, he says to you, come on, let's jump over that rock. Let's move on. Let's move on in your purpose in life. You can also pray towards God for that, for that deliverance again. So if you've never made that decision, I want to give you an opportunity today. I read this morning Luke 15, the parable of the lost sheep. I actually want to to read this with you. It's not on the screen, but it's actually so powerful. It says, Luke 15, tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? When he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me because I found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a, a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she will call in her friends and neighbors and say, Rejoice with me because I found my lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. There might be sitting 91 righteous people around you, I don't know. But today is the day of salvation. If you've never made the decision, I want to encourage you today to make it. If you've not experienced the full deliverance of Jesus, I want to pray with you today. So why don't we all close our eyes and bow our heads? I just want to know who I'm praying for. So if you've never made a decision to follow Christ, if you've never made a decision to step into deliverance, Jesus has for you as well. Think about healing, uh, breakthroughs on financial uh, levels. All these things, this change which you are holding on to. If you want to experience God today, And if you want to make the decision today for the first time, I want you to to raise your hand right now. If you've never made a decision, shoot your hand up. Thank you so much. If you want to step into the deliverance, you can raise your hand right now. Awesome. Let's pray together. Maybe church, you could repeat this after me to support those who pray this for the first time because lifting a hand isn't a, a formula to be To be rescued. If you made a decision in your heart. Of course God will notice. So let's pray this together. Dear Father God. We praise your name. And we love your son Jesus. Today I turn from my old ways. I turn from my sins and wrong decisions. I receive your grace and unfailing mercy. I receive your blessing and salvation thank you for delivering me i will choose to praise you for all the days of my life in the name of jesus amen